0: Charity, as we all know, is a theological virtue, one of the three, and, and the most important one, as St. Paul says in the first letter to the Corinthians, it's the one that will abide, that will remain after this life. But the title of this talk is a virtue and more than a virtue, because for Aquinas in the Summa, charity Is studied well before we reach the study of the individual virtues. So that is what we're going to do. And that will allow us to see by studying how charity is dealt with before its specific treatment as part of the virtues, the virtue series in the Secunda Secunde, um, we will be able to understand the scope of the full scope of charity. In Aquinas' thought and in theology. So the first place where we find charity um, is when Aquinas deals with the divine missions. And the divine missions are um, that way in which God makes himself present in the souls of the just through grace. We know that God is Everywhere he is present in all things because he gives the act of being, he creates things and he sustains them in being. And so he is present at all things um, all inanimate things and all uh, human beings and also angels. Everything that exists is caused by God, and in that way, God is present in that reality. But in some special Beings, God can be present in a new way, and uh, this new way involves a change in the creature, not in God in in us, and that change is a change that is not contrary to our nature, it is not something that is violent, something that uh, destroys um uh, those beings that can receive god in this new way but it's also something that they cannot attain on their own they need god's assistance they need god's new presence a new effect that will result in this new presence of god so this is the doctrine of modes of divine presence and that's that's as far as we're going to go concerning that topic but so in question 43 and that's Those are the first texts we have on the handout. Question 43, at the end of his treatment of God and specifically of the Trinity, uh, Aquinas will discuss the divine missions of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And um, so he will say that these persons, the sent Persons, the Son is sent by the Father, and the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son. These sent persons are said to be sent truly when there is something new in the soul of the just or in an angel. And that novelty, that newness, is grace. So those who have grace in those have grace we find the um these divine missions these missions are spiritual are invisible and um all three divine persons abide make themselves at home in those who have grace but everyone who has grace has the three divine persons abiding within him or her the father as send as a sender, as the sender and, and ascending, the Son as being sent and also sending, and the Holy Spirit as being sent. So on the first, if we look at the first text on the handout, we have this, we have what I just explained is set out very briefly. The first mode of divine presence, according to that mode, God is in all things by his essence, power, and presence. And that's the common mode. And beyond this common mode there is a special mode belonging to the rational nature and in this way god is said to be present as the object known is in the knower and the beloved in the lover so this is typical element of these divine missions it's that whereas the common mode god is present in all things he's present in a rock. He's present in a tree, in a cloud. These things, the cloud, the tree, the rock, uh, they are not conscious. They don't know, and therefore they can't love uh, God's presence in them. Whereas the second mode of divine presence, this uh, indwelling of the blessed Trinity in us, does involve our knowledge and our love. So that's a key element right there. And so I already see where we're leading Um, in the second text. This is uh, the response to the second argument In that in Article 5 of question 43. I am going to read this and before explaining it It says the soul is made like to God by grace. Not only does God abide not not only is God present in a new way through grace but the soul is made like God, It's likened to God. There is a transformation, and we, we have been created the image of God, and so there is a transformation. We are made more like God through grace. And then Aquinas continues, Hence, for a divine person to be sent to anyone by grace, There must needs be a likening of the soul to the divine person. So our soul is made like the person that is sent, the Son or the Holy Spirit, in some way, by some gift of grace. And so he starts with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is love, we know that the Holy Spirit, another name the Holy Spirit has is love. We find that especially in the liturgy. But also in Scripture, in a passage in Romans 5, which we'll read, which we we, we have just read. It's, it's right above. We have not read it, but it's the first quotation there on the handout. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So that association between the Holy Spirit and love is found in Paul, and is found in many places in the liturgy and in the, and also of course in theology, and the church's teaching. And Uh, baptismal teaching because the holy spirit is love the soul is assimilated or made like uh, assimilated to the holy spirit by the gift of charity so charity which is another name for love it's supernatural love in greek it's agape this gift of charity is something that makes us like the holy spirit hence the mission of the holy spirit is according to the mode of charity so so far we've learned that charity makes us like the Holy Spirit. And because God is present as someone known and loved, according to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father, we can say the Holy Spirit does these two things. It makes us, it allows us to love God and In that way, God is present in a new way, and it makes us like God, especially it makes us like the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing that Aquinas says in the Summa about charity that we are made, that our will is made like the Holy Spirit. And because our will is made like the Holy Spirit, our will is able to love God supernaturally. So that's that's the first thing Aquinas says on charity. Let's continue and then. We'll tie some of these things up with what comes up later on. So now let's look at what Aquinas says on charity in the Prima secunde. The Prima secunde, so the second part of the Summa, the Secunda Pars, second part of the Summa, is the, the moral section of the Summa. It's by far the longest, and it's based on the human being's journey, a journey of assimilation, of becoming like, of realizing, of fulfilling this image of God found in him or or her. And the first thing Aquinas is going to discuss is happiness, is the end toward which we, we tend, and happiness, or to use a more theological term, beatitude. So that's the first thing he's going to Uh, deal with in the secunda part, the prima secunda, which is the first part, the second part, and then we'll have the secunda secunda. So he establishes, he discusses this in 40 articles and five questions that are very important, very dense, and for Aquinas, that something be placed first or later on or at the end, those places are very important, they're very telling, of what is coming, and treatment of happiness at the beginning is really the foundation of moral theology. That being said, let's look at question 62 of that prima secunde. And um, that's the first time Aquinas deals with the theological virtues, all of them together. And he's going to ask, do we need them? Should we have theological virtues? Do those exist? And so he is going to refer to happiness and the attitude. And he's going to say that because our happiness, the happiness to which God calls us, is not contrary to our nature, but but surpasses our nature, and therefore is supernatural, because it consists in the attainment of God himself. And uh, we know that will be consummate and, and fulfilled Perfectly in heaven, when we will see God face to face, as um, theologians say, we will see the divine essence. So Aquinas will say no human virtue is capable of attaining this end, this supernatural uh, beatitude, the supernatural happiness. And so we need special virtues that qualify and perfect and enable our powers especially our spiritual powers, our intelligence, and our will, to attain God. And that is the finality, that's the end of the theological virtues. So that's the second thing Aquinas says on theological virtues in the Summa. Theological virtues allow us to enter into communion, to attain God, to be united to him. Uh, in a supernatural way and thus uh, attain happiness. So that's the second thing that is said about theological virtues in the Summa. And then I would like to, if we look at text number four on the handout, this is page two, there's a passage, I'm I'm quoting the corpus of question 65 of the Prima Secundae article five. question there is whether charity can be found be found without faith and hope and what i find interesting and the, the answer is no not in this life in, in heaven there is no faith and there's no hope but there's something in lieu of faith and hope and, and in their stead so there's vision and there's uh, comprehension and possession of god but what i find interesting in this answer is that he is going to compare charity with friendship and the reason he is going to give for the necessary connection between faith, hope, and charity is that we need all of these for friendship. Basically, he's going to say, "There's we cannot become friends with anyone if we do not know them, and we do not believe it is it is possible for us to become their friends." This is, I think, a common experience. We I think we've all we all have this experience. If we don't know someone and we do not believe that it is possible for us to establish an acquaintance and, and, and more than an acquaintance, uh, a relationship with this person, then no friendship will arise. So that's what he says. Just as friendship with a person would be impossible if one disbelieved in or despaired of the possibility of their fellowship or familiar call cry, so too friendship with God, which is charity, is impossible without faith to believe in this fellowship and qualify with God and to hope to attain to this fellowship. So that's that's what we what is set of charity in the prima secunde, which is the general moral consideration in the Summa. Now, the secunda secunde is that systematic approach to all the virtues faith, hope, charity, justice, uh, sorry, prudence, justice, fortitude and temperance, and within those, especially the latter four, uh, we have many, many other virtues. So far, these we have the divine missions, the, the, the important place charity has within the divine missions, and uh, the necessity we have of charity and the other theological virtues in order, in order for us to be able to attain happiness, that supernatural end which God calls us. Okay, so when we reach... The secunda second question 23, which is the first question on charity article one again, again, this is very important where Aquinas chooses to start is very important. What is his first question when he deals with charity per se in the secunda second whether charity is friendship. So we might not be aware of all of the discussions and uh, the different positions that uh, Aquinas' contemporaries and those who came before him, those positions they held. But Aquinas, it turns out, is the first one to uh, consider that charity is friendship. Uh, Up until then, there was an objection, and that is that Christ calls us to love our enemies. And so if charity uh, is involved in love of enemies, uh, it can't be friendship. That was the main objection. And they hadn't previously the theologians hadn't found a way of um, resolving this uh, problem. Um, and that has to do with their source. Up until Aquinas, theologians used Cicero. Um, and Cicero defined friendship as mutual uh, love of benevolence that is uh, not hidden, that is, that is known to both parties. But Aquinas is going to go beyond this Ciceronian definition of friendship, which is based on Aristotle. But Aquinas is going to go directly to Aristotle. As many of you know, Aquinas uh, had access to the recently published work, uh, sorry, translated works of Aristotle. They were translated into Latin. Aquinas didn't know Greek that well. And there he finds a key element that allows him to go much farther than his predecessor. And this concept of friendship that he's going to discover in Aristotle, he's going to enrich that concept. And this will allow him to define charity as friendship. And this will impact his whole discussion of charity. So that first quotation taken from John 15:15, in the handout, there's a mistake. It says five, five. I just forgot a couple of ones there. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. So Aquinas doesn't want to give up on this word. Uh, this word of God, this uh, these words, Jesus trusts his um, disciples with at the time of his parting. So he he does not want to give up on them, and he says this has to apply to charity. There has to be a way in which we are friends of God, and so he will find in in Aristotle a cons- uh, an element of the definition of, of friendship. Um, which Aristotle, that element for Aristotle was koinonia, that's the Greek word, which we usually translate as communion. But um, in the Latin, it was translated communicatio, which is in English is communication. And now this communication is not mainly verbal or communication or just the, the transmission of information from one to another. This communication has to do with something that is common. So the the root word there is is common. Like in Greek, koinon is also the the root of koinonia. Let us go back to the handout. Text number six, we have the beginning of, I have split that text in in two parts. So the first part is there, I will read it. According to the philosopher, that's Aristotle, uh, not every love has the character of friendship, but that love, which is together with benevolence, when to wit, to wit, we love someone so as to wish good to him. If, however, we do not wish good to what we love, but wish, it good, wish it's good for ourselves, it is love, not a friendship, but a, of a kind of coincidence. Okay, so this is, this is Cicero too. This is found in Aristotle. Cicero took this from Aristotle, but he did not. He overlooked the uh, koinonia or uh, communion aspect and uh so here we have two elements so we have the benevolence or love of benevolence or love of friendship and this has to be mutual so there's a third element that like finest will say at the end so it says yet neither does well wishing suffice for friendship for a certain mutual love is requisite uh, since friendship is between friend and friend So that's the second element, it has to be mutual, and the third element. And this well-wishing, mutual well-wishing, is founded on some kind of communication. That's where Aquinas goes. That's that's the core of his definition of friendship and charity, that there is some communication. Okay, so before we study this communicatio further, let us first look at this love of friendship. Following Aristotle, St. Thomas um, distinguishes two loves, the love of friendship or love of benevolence and the love of concupiscence. And the love, these should not be equated to egoism and altruism. This is not, therefore, someone who loves himself or herself and someone who loves others. That's, that's not what love of benevolence and love of concupiscence means here. So love of concupiscence is the love for, some, for a thing. And we can have a sort of love of concupiscence that is um, associated to someone else when we love something for someone else, for example. And love of friendship or love of benevolence is when we love the good of someone else. That is, sorry, when we love the good of a person. And in a certain sense, we can have such a love for ourselves when we love the good that is for ourselves as a person. Aquinas provides a very interesting definition or, or description of these two loves in question 27 of the Prima Secundae, article three, where he asks, this is number eight on the, of the handout at the end of page two, beginning page three, whether likeness is a cause of love. That's his question. Is likeness the cause of love? So there are cases where Likeness spawns uh, rivalries and uh, competition, and, and a competition that is that might not be very uh, friendly. These are the main objections. There are others as well. So Aquinas is, is going to say likeness is the uh, basis of love, but this occurs in two different ways. Love of concupiscence and love of uh, benevolence or love of friendship, uh, both are based on likeness. But there's a difference, a very important difference, and here he brings to play a distinction that is found throughout Aquinas's uh, theology and philosophy, which is the the uh, those two principles, act and potency, the actual and the potential, potentiality and actuality. So these he also draws from Aristotle, and what he what he's going to say is, if what is like what is similar, the quality that is like me. If that quality is found only in a potential way, it has not yet been developed in me and is in need of being perfected, then that aspect of potentiality and need, need for perfection, uh, we need to be uh, to receive and to develop. If we look at that aspect of the love of likeness, then we have love of concupiscence. This is not a bad, an evil uh, love. This is inevitable in all of us. And it's, um, yeah, and we can have a a love of concupiscence for God that is not an evil love of God, but it's limited. It's not all that love can be. The other love, the love of benevolence, Um, looks to what we have of actuality, of what we already have of that likeness, of that quality. So even though we might not have all of that quality, it's not perfect or utterly perfect in us, still we have some. And so if we base our love on what we already have, then we can have a love of benevolence. And there we look to give to others, to enrich them, Help them attain what we already have attained. So this is the way he defines. I find this is a brilliant way of defining these two loves. And because of time, time, time constraint, here we can't go any further. I know perhaps for some of you this we're going too fast, but I didn't want to um, omit this explanation of the love of benevolence, the love of friendship. So if we look at a glass and it's there's a Liquid in one of the halves, we could say that some people look at that glass and say it's half empty, and some say the glass is half full. And in a sense, those who say the glass is half full, or regardless, those who use that liquid in a positive way so as to give to others, you could say, I'm oversimplifying here, but we could say that that is a love of friendship, a love of benevolence. And that person that looks at the glass and says, Oh, but Half is 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 lacking, and and I need to uh, before I can do anything, before I can give to others, I have to replenish my glass and everything. Then that would be uh, someone perhaps dominated by this love of concupiscence. Well, friendship requires that first love, the love of of, of benevolence. Okay, so let's go back to comunicacio, communicatio, communication in this uh, more metaphysical sense, based on something that is common. What does this word mean? Throughout the 20th century, and mainly during the 20th century, there was a a discussion. People were theologians and philosophers were trying to establish what it meant because there are different meanings. And so some would say, we want A, and someone would say, we want B, and then they would write uh, back and forth and criticize and, and everything. And then some years later, they started coming to the realization that in fact this term has more than one meaning and so for Aquinas communication has at least three means. So we're going to look at those three meanings of communicatio and we could say koinonia use the aristotle's greek term since there is a communication between man and god so the idea there is that there's a communication between man and god in fact the latin text says uses the, the latin preposition ad so man toward god so it's not god toward man but man toward god so there we're, we're speaking of something that um god man and god have in common they have something in common so that's one of the meanings of this word kumidipasi. then it says "Inasmuch as he that would be god inasmuch as God communicates his happiness to us. So there we have a different meaning. There it's clearly God is communicating, that is, he is giving something to us. So there's a having in common. We can have something in common with someone else, and we can have something in common with God. And then there's also a a giving or um, making something common to someone else. So It's mine, only mine, and now it's going to be someone else's as well. So now it's common. So having in common has its origin in one of the two giving to the other. Aquinas continues, some kind of friendship must needs be based on this same communication. And then he quotes 1 Corinthians, God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his son and there we have the title of this talk, are called unto the fellowship of his son. So not only does he call us friends, but there is fellowship with his son and therefore with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So the love which is based, and that would be the love of friendship, which is based on this communication is charity. Wherefore, it is evident that charity is the friendship of man for God. Okay, so there's this communication that is the origin of friendship because uh, God gives us something that he has. Because he gives us something, we now have something in common with him. And because we have something in common, that is not enough for friendship to arise. We also need a third sense of communication, which is the one conveyed by the word fellowship. Which is also a living together or a sharing or a um, acting together. So these three meanings of communication work together. Obviously, God conveys his life, his beatitude, his grace. He gives that to us. And now we have something in common with him. But friendship is perfect when we share with him when we love, when we know him and we love him. And that is what charity will do. Charity is that love, but it's also the friendship. And just as in friendship, it's, it's not one person, it's two, at least two. um, Those acts of love will not be acts of one person, not just one person. Those acts of love will be acts of love that are ours and God's. So they are acts of friendship, not just acts of love of friendship, but acts of friendship. And that's because we have that communication that um, in these three meanings of communication. Anyway, this is important because this is uh, this friendship and this uh, fellowship with God is not is supernatural. It's not contrary to our nature, but it surpasses our nature. So we need this communication. Now we're going to go quickly through the typical topics. Charity, a very important one is found in Article 2. And the question there is whether charity perfects our will. We know it does because we've already been uh, referring to this. But some had said that we did not have charity is not a quality or a virtue in the soul. Uh, We don't need it because the Holy Spirit moves us. Uh, immediately, uh, but Aquinas is going to say, uh, for that act to be ours, truly ours, we have to have a virtue, something that qualifies, something that enables our will to say yes to God and to cooperate with God, so that that act that the Holy Spirit moves, impels uh, in us is also ours, and not just the Holy Spirit's. Otherwise, we would be like inanimate or inanimate instruments. And that act of love that the Holy Spirit moves us to do would not be ours, would not be uh, voluntary, would not belong to our will, if our will were not brought up to speed. So the act of charity surpasses the nature of the power of the will, and then it needs something superadded to the natural power inclining it to the act of love I'm reading text number 11 for the end this same act would be less perfect than the natural acts and the acts of other powers if it didn't have this perfection text number 12 is very interesting because it says that the author of charity is the divine power when we perform an act of charity uh, that act is not only ours that act is the Holy Spirit's and ours. So this friendship that is established in us with him, among us, between himself and, and each one of us, this friendship enables us to act with the Holy Spirit. We have some of this, uh, an expression like this in the Acts of the Apostles. The Holy Spirit and ourselves have decided, well, you can say that of each act of charity, the Holy Spirit and myself, we have acted, we have done this. Um, and so the efficacy of this form depends on the power of the agent who instills the form, that is the Holy Spirit. There's the question on whether charity is the most excellent of virtues, and it is because it attains God himself like no other virtue does. Hope and faith attain God as a principle of something, of truth, and of... As an uh, and assistance to attain beatitude, But charity looks at God himself and loves him for himself just to be united to God. Charity gives the form, conducts, directs all acts, and therefore all other virtues toward the final end. And that is why charity informs all other virtues and all other moral acts. Can it be perfect in this life? He will say "No, because it is perfect when our heart is constantly abiding in god so i I highlight this because perfection of this friendship is when the living together with God is most permanent in this life. Our acts of charity and our friendship with God is kind of intermittent, it turns on and turns off, and it turns off more than it turns on as an act, but we do have the abiding virtue, but we only have, we connect with God in a very actual and uh, conscious way. And, uh, and we act together with God just at some points. And so in heaven, we will have that all the time. It will be abiding. We will have an abiding charity, active charity. And therefore our friendship with God will be so much more perfect than it is here. And in this life, we tend toward that. So we try to um, have more and more acts of charity. And that way make our friendship with God uh, more perfect because it's more actual or more uh, active in a sense. Now, the love of charity and the order of the love of charity. And let's look at text 20. It says, as stated above, the friendship of charity is based on the fellowship of happiness. So the, the Latin says, communicatio beatitudinis, so communicatio, communication, and uh, of happiness, yes. So that's what friendship of charity is based on. Um, now, in this fellowship, one thing is considered as the principle from which happiness flows, and that is God. So the first thing we need to love with charity, an ordered charity, and we can't have a, a love of charity that is not ordered, we'll love God first, because he is the source, the principle of this communication of beatitude, of this fellowship of happiness. And secondly, we are going to love those who partake of happiness. Who partake of happiness? Well, human beings and angels, and so we are going to love human beings and angels. We will love ourselves first, but we will love human beings and angels secondly because they partake in this communication of Beatitude. And third, we will love, we love a thing to which happiness comes by a kind of overflow because Beatitude, this happiness is spiritual because God is spiritual. This friendship with God is primarily spiritual, not only spiritual, but primarily spiritual. Therefore, we love more this communication in those who can attain this communication primarily. Those are angels and human beings. We love that more than our body because our body will only receive an overflow of this beatitude, but our body does not receive the immediate spiritual effect of the attitude. So the order of love is: we love God first, who communicates. Because we love His communication, we love His giving of Himself and of His life. We want, we desire that communication. We want His overflowing, His His uh, generous love to reach so many others. Secondly, we love those all those to whom His beatitude can um, be given. And so ourselves, and then other human beings, all those who are alive, for example, and all, all angels. And third or fourth, if we say second ourselves and third everyone else, and then fourth our bodies. So we love others more than we love our bodies. And that's what Christ did on the cross. He gave his body up, his life, uh, for our souls, for our, uh, for us to attain that communication of beatitude. And finally. Because we have exceeded the allotted time, merit. Merit is also has its root in charity. And uh, through merit, an act is ours. And at the same time, that act is the Holy Spirit. So it's an act that is human, uh, entirely human, and entirely mine or entirely someone else's. Let's think of it, you can uh, consider a saint. St. Dominic, for example, and um, that act is completely 100% uh, St. Dominic's act, and at the same time, it's also 100% the Holy Spirit's, so it will have, it will be human, but it will also have divine power attached to it, and so that act performed by St. Dominic and the Holy Spirit will attain something that is as infinite um as the Holy Spirit, uh, but in a human way, and that is Beatitude. So those acts of ch- the acts of charity we perform in this life attain our final end, attain God Himself, because it's an act of friendship. My act and God's act. And uh no other act is as intimate, it involves as a union as intimate as this act of friendship, which is the act of charity. Thank you very much.